I can say without a doubt that the most advanced yoga I have ever done is raising children. And I used to wrap my legs behind my head every morning before coffee. My name is Sarah Ezrin. I'm a writer, yoga teacher, content creator, and the mom to two young boys. I recently wrote the book, The Yoga of Parenting, 10 yoga-based practices to help you stay grounded, connect with your kids, and be kind to yourself. One of the highlights of this journey has been sitting down with parents from all around the world to hear how yoga has informed their parenting. Their stories are fascinating, funny, raw, and sometimes heartbreaking. I spoke with step-parents, single-parents, grandparents, and though everyone's identities and family structures are completely different, all of these parents have the same intention, to parent from a place of connection. I am honored to share these stories with all of you in this limited series podcast, The Yoga of Parenting. All right, everybody, welcome, welcome. I am here with Siva Mohan, who I've Dr. Siva Mohan, who I've been trying to sit down with since before the book was even put to paper when it was just an idea, because one of my chapters is about a former client of yours. And she was talking about her journey into Ayurveda and, and especially being a mom and completely burnt out and an overwhelm and how you were extraordinarily helpful on her journey. Um, so you have now you are you're working remotely because you live in, in Mexico. And so you're working through you have an app that's coming out very soon, which is very exciting. Ayurveda by Siva. Um, we can find you online. You've got lots of resources on Instagram. Um, and you, but you are also a parent too. So it's like you're living it while also teaching it. So I'm just really honored to finally get to sit down with you and to pick your brain on how to balance dabbling in Ayurveda and parenthood. Oh, it's an honor to be here and to share the messy, beautiful journey. The wild ride. I had that on my website where it was like I said, the wild ride called life. And my dad's like, it's kind of derivative. I'm like, but it's parenting. It's early parenting. Like, I think you forget now that we're all like 40 to 50. You know? <laughs> like It is like this. And, and, and I over. think that's your shtick, right? Is, yeah. is the realism of like, this is not all like rainbows and flowers. No, it is, <laughs> it is not. I was definitely had a good cry earlier that hopefully you can't tell anymore. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's... <laughs> It's all part of it. Um, how old is your daughter? So my daughter's 14 and my son is 12. Wow. So I've got a full-fledged teen and a tween coming wow. right into it. And how is that, that, that shift as they start to enter these years or, or they're pretty deep into it at 14 and then the 12-year-old? You know, it's such a different... I was just writing about this last night in my journal because it's like whoa, a whole nother chapter almost where I'm watching them be in all of their limitation and victimization and resistance and looking at all of this and being like, oh, like this, I I did this, you know? <laughs> like I recognize these pieces of me in what they're experiencing pieces of their dad you know pieces of how we've taught them these limitations and these victimized stances and these resistant behaviors when we were less evolved versions of ourselves and moving through the guilt 
of that and also realizing, well, shoot, like if I just am victimized by that and if I'm focusing on it as a problem to be solved instead of a beautiful opportunity or an opening, then I'm just reiterating that same behavior to them. And it's this new phase of like, God, fierce trust, because as I see them in these places of struggling to figure out like what, what I want and why can't I have what I want and let me blame you and blah, blah, blah for why I can't have what I want. And uh, let me focus on what's so hard and what I don't want. And it's like a feeling of helplessness almost, you know, it's like, where I, like, I want to show them the bigger picture. This is what I do for a living with people. I help them, you know, find the empowerment in it, to find the beauty in the clarity that comes from the contrast, to find the growth, to find the opening, um, to find the belief, to find the trust, to find the good stuff in it and I can't do it for them and when they were younger you know it's like you have the responsibility to do it for them supposedly but also like you have this power to sort of do it for them right like okay let's do a happy dance or so yeah I you know I I can't do it for them and that's a whole new experience in this thing of like okay well I'm saying the things they're not with the capacity to really absorb it. They're not with the capacity to really hold the big picture yet. And just being in peace with that and being like, okay, all I can do is work on my own version of that over and over and over and over again. And hopefully seep into them, you know, through my experience that this is normal part of the human experience and it's still beautiful and there are tools and approaches and we can use them and we can feel differently and trust and hope that they're going to find their way. I think that's probably more of what's in store and in their, you know, coming years. I mean, family is always probably the harder, uh, you know, clientele, for lack of that word, for us to teach or for you to treat, I would imagine. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a therapist seeing their own family member. I wonder if, you know, it's like, I don't think that's allowed, right? So I, I know, and even just teaching, like my, you know, when my family comes to my classes, I'm like, leave, like, you know, I have to like put blinders on and pretend they're not there. I'm a totally different person. So I do imagine, you know, especially with teenagers where it really is that bristling and that kind of pushing against that the more that you're like, but wait, I know these tools work. Like they have to go through the experiences themselves, right? They have to make the mistakes themselves. And it must feel, it must be very hard because it's like, you know, you know, but at the same time, they have to go through it in order for them to realize. And I mean, that's just so much of it is like, oof, 
the hands off. Could you, with, I mean, obviously I, I always want to protect the privacy and anonymity of the kids, but is there an example you could give us about something? I would love to know specifically too, like an Ayurvedic tool that you would have like given if I had come to you with a similar issue, but like the 41-year-old version, is there a tool that, you know, you would have loved for them to share that maybe they rejected or something along those lines? So many. I mean, it's never ending. It's never ending. But just last night I was speaking to my daughter and as a mother, I can feel when she's not in a good place. And so my instinct as a solver and a caretaker is, okay, well, let me go right there and let me offer her tools. And her experience of that is, why are you always criticizing me? And it's never good enough. Hmm. And, well, I can't tell you how many times I've told her how proud I am of her and how much I love her and how amazed by her and how amazing she is. And da, da, da. But I can't change how she experiences me in our conversations and that she, you know, interprets our interactions in one way and her experience and her emotions are valid. Okay. Like, what is there for me to do if I defend myself? Um, no, 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 I'm not criticizing you. And like, don't you, I just sent you an email last week about how proud I am of you. Did you not read that? You didn't even respond to it. You know. And then also feeling hurt, you know, as a mom too, of like, why don't you let all this goodness that I'm giving you soak in, yeah. you know? And I think, um, for other moms maybe that are going through that, if you came to me and said, Hey, I'm going through this with my teenager, you know, or even my young adult uh, child, it's like, okay, really it comes back to these fundamental, beautiful things in human relationship, which is just learning to accept where they, they are and to find a place of, happiness and joy and acceptance in that, you know, like, okay, so you feel really criticized and I feel really sad and I feel a little bit helpless, but all in all, how can I find peace in this? Okay, well, I can zoom out and I can find, wow, it's kind of amazing that she can tell me that. And then I can hear that because I didn't have that with my parents. I feel very criticized by them all the time. And in a way, this experience is helping me understand that they didn't know how to love me differently. And that is how they were trying to share their love by like constantly giving me ways to improve or, or nudging me towards what would be best for me and that I received it that way. And, and how beautiful it is that I can remember my experience is that and I can relate to where she is doesn't make me happy that she's where she is but I can find things to be happy about in here you know like wow we're talking mm -hmm. wow she's telling me wow I'm hearing her okay you know and I, I brought up the idea of a therapist with her and for her it was like oh Mom, can, I don't, I just don't even have the space to deal with this right now. I have so much on my plate with school and I'm so like juggling seven things and it's the last month of school. And now you want me to like, it's one more thing that I have to deal with. I have finals coming up you know? <laughs> and me feeling sort of like 
rejected and pushed away and like, okay, great. Well, how long are we going to keep waiting for you to find the right time and space to work on our relationship? Isn't it important to you? Like, Mm. you know, really remembering, oh, wait, as a parent, my feelings are also really valid. And my experience of being hurt or feeling a little hopeless or feeling sad are also valid, but they're not hers to support. They're mine to support. And I have amazing supports in my life that I can go to. It doesn't have to be her that's soothing my hurt or my rejection or whatever, whatever. And that was a little bit of like, okay, shoulders Mm. down. Do you know, like, she doesn't have to do that. That's, she does have enough on her plate. Like, I remember where that place was. So I think for us as parents, it's just no matter what we're going through with our kids, and I'm sure your entire book is probably about nourish yourself, nourish yourself, nourish yourself, nourish yourself, nourish yourself, support yourself, support yourself, support yourself, you know, and be happy. And then that overflows and gives the kids a vibrational set point, you know, that is different than maybe some of the other vibrational set points. I know I definitely gave (laughs) when I was pregnant with her, when I was struggling as a single mom with two young kids. And even now when I struggle with overwhelm or whatever, whatever, but just remembering like every pain point is, is a beautiful thing. It really is because had we not had that conversation I wouldn't have known how she's feeling where she's at. Now I am better able to support her, right? But I'm also more aware of how I'm feeling in the experience and I'm better able to support myself. So I'm thankful for that challenging conversation. And that was like an eight hour turnaround, you know, and that's pretty amazing. And those are all emotional wellness tools that Ayurveda gave me. Yeah, I mean, and I want to get into the Ayurveda as well in just a moment, but I just want to commend you because it it really is, I mean, as hard and difficult as it is in the moment, that pause to be able to pull back, you know, or maybe in the moment we are kind of seeking for them to fulfill a need or to help us feel better, but but it, it, whether the pause is afterwards or in the moment, that that moment of taking a breath and recognizing, okay, you know, I am allowed to have feelings because I think there's such a misconception, especially, you know, and I know you're you're living in Mexico right now, but, you know, American motherhood or motherhood in the West that like, you shouldn't have feelings, you have no feelings, all of these things should be sacrificed for the sake of your children. But the reality is, no, we're- babe. Yeah, I really think that's global. I mean, I've lived all over the world and I, there is like- not- Sure that There's I have nowhere s- for me to go. <laughs> they say the Netherlands is a little better. No, really? I mean, maybe I haven't been to the Netherlands. <laughs> Gosh, okay. Patriarchy, no. All right. So as you know, that, you know, the, the, uh, the expectation of the mother, right? The, the always giving mother. So I, I think it's cool that there are mothers out there that are creating this movement of, you know, being more vocal about like, I am an individual and, you know, you were, that's like one of my friends calls her daughter. She says she's her steward, right? Like she's not even her mom. She's just holding space for her until she becomes her own adult and her own person. Um, And I think that there's, there's a beauty in that and recognizing that too. And I wonder, so like Ayurvedically people, 
they hear the term and they're going to think of like Abhyanga, like, you know, oil massage or, you know, eating certain foods, yeah, Yeah. diets. But obviously we're talking about these, there's tools on how you look at behavior and, and those kind of things. So I'm just curious, like your top tools, your top two tools for parents, um, or are there just so many, it's so hard because everyone's so individualized. I just answer your question. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, yeah, there, it, it is individualized, but maybe that is the tool too, right? Mm-hmm. I think that one of the beautiful things about Ayurveda is that it allows us to be who we are and to work with who we are and our patterns. So like, I think it's really beautiful that your friend is able to be like, I'm just a steward, you know, like I have so much pitta in my constitution that I, I don't see myself being someone who is so passive. I, I don't have the ability. Like I, I naturally am somebody who wants to solve. <laughs> That's what I was made to do best, you know? So I, I think that it's beautiful when you can see like, oh, this is how I was made. These are my patterns, Right. And and really, that's all of what Ayurveda is. So for everyone who's kind of new to it and they're, you know, they've only heard of it in the spa industry or in a cleanse context or a yoga workshop. It really just is a beautiful system of observing patterns and and attending to them with whatever tools and approaches to be able to shift them in the direction that we want them to go. Right. And so once you get conversant in that practice, it is a lot of depersonalization in in a way because you see everything as patterns, right? So even in this experience with my daughter, I can understand what her patterns are based on kind of the energetics that she was made of and what my patterns are based on the energetics that I was made of and that it's normal and natural for us to intersect in this way. And I also know that the counter to our particular combination of patterns is softness. Mm. Um, I learned that through learning her patterns and learning my patterns, right? So when I think about the tools of Ayurveda that it's given me, it's it's one, this individualization, this customization that comes from the practice of observing patterns because my patterns with my son are very different. And she feels also the difference in how I respond to him versus her and how I parent him versus her. And that can be a nidus for pain for her, for example, but it can also be really beautiful because I'm individualizing how I support her and love her versus how I support him and love him. He needs firmness from me. He lacks this. And, and I have a plen- <laughs> plenitude of, <laughs> you know, firmness and, and really he needs that from me. And with my daughter, she does not, she needs softness for me, for example, right? So mm. the first tool of Ayurveda that I think um, was so helpful is that customization. And then that we're changing too, right? Um, and then the second tool, it really does have to do with understanding the multi-causality of everything that we experience. So there's a depersonalization that I kind of hinted at in a, a moment ago that comes with that, right? So for example, I do 
have a regular practice of understanding, oh, whatever is happening in my tummy is not just because I ate this. <laughs> it's it's multi-causal. So it could be what I ate, but it's probably also the stress levels I'm feeling and my undigested emotions and maybe three other things. You know what I'm saying? And so because of a practiced understanding of seeing the world in this way, it doesn't make me really take it super personal that she was in that space looking at me as kind of the bad guy yesterday, you know, because it's, you know what, she's stressed out at school. She got a low grade on a history test last week. If she hasn't been feeling that well, she's struggling with a cold. It's Sunday night. She's feeling the stress of a new week coming and all of what she has to do that she didn't accomplish over the weekend because she's not feeling so good. And when I see all of that, I don't feel so hopeless of like, oh my God, she hates me as a mom and she's like only sees me in this way, blah, 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 blah. So, I, I mean, those are kind of two broad answers, but it, it really is this Ayurvedic practice of observing patterns and multi-causality and learning to navigate the energetics of our every different situation with this understanding of like, okay, what's playing into this pattern and what is this pattern and what is the pattern that I'm looking to create and what are the tools and approaches that are going to help me shift that way. So for example, in the conversation with her last night, first, what I was feeling was hurt and anger, you know, like, okay, she's in a dorm room. My, my daughter goes to boarding school for high school. And uh, yeah, I never can have a private conversation with her. And here it's the weekend and I'm looking forward to connecting with her. And I'm thinking fondly of her. She hasn't responded to the last eight text messages I've sent her during the week, you know, and I'm like, okay, this is disrespectful. This is basic human communication. Like you do need to stay in touch with me. I do so much for you and providing this amazing thing. This feels disrespectful. Can't even step into another room and have a conversation with me. Everything is like, while you're talking to all the other people that are always around you, you know, and okay, what's the pattern here? The pattern is that I'm taking this personally and I'm feeling disrespected and I'm feeling hurt and I'm feeling sad. And I want to show to her what she's doing wrong because these are not healthy behaviors. And I want to make her a better person because I'm the solver. Right. And so I want to go and tell her, but what a mistake that would have been because I had no idea that she was in this place of feeling super stressed out. And like every time she talks, it's a new layer of criticism and something that she's not doing right. I didn't even know that that came out because I was able to see the pattern and be like, Ooh, but knowing who she is and knowing who I am and knowing that softness is kind of what I'm trying to head with her. Instead, I was able to send her a message that was like, Hey, I'm feeling sick. Bad. And I'm feeling a little bit hurt and our relationship doesn't feel like it's in a good place. And then having her respond with, oh no, what happened? What's the problem? You know, yeah. and then us getting on the phone and me thinking it was going to be about me expressing where I was at and it turning into her expressing all of where she was at and needing softness from me, not defensiveness and like telling her all the things that she's blocking and, and and failing at and really should be doing better. You know, this wasn't, 
that's not cultivating softness and openness and connection between us, which I know is the key based on her patterns and my patterns, very different from my son. And so that awareness of patterns helped me navigate last night to where she felt heard. I have new insight. I'm focused on the opportunity of how I can connect with her better. It it would have been totally different had I shared with her all of the things that she was doing that as a parent, I think I need to address to develop her as a better person. Mm -hmm. That would have been more of the same and it would have really triggered her and she would have become more avoidant and more disconnected and reaffirmed her theory that all I do is criticize her and nothing's good enough. Where are the patterns? So I assume, you know, you mentioned Pitta earlier, which I would love for you to describe to listeners that don't know the different doshas, but I, I'm assuming you mean the doshas, but are there other patterns that you're talking about too? Like when you talk about these energetic lines and what are, what are you know, because it can feel overwhelming, right? To like try to find the patterns. It can feel like there's millions of patterns, but I think one of the, at least for me, what I find so comforting with Ayurveda is that there, there are, you know, these main patterns that are then woven throughout everything and everyone. So I'm curious, um, you know, how oh, you would I'm define so glad that. You asked this question because, do you know what? Honestly, throw the doshas out the window if you okay. want to. Like I, I, you know, because here's the thing: Ayurveda today is really marketed as like a type yourself, live this way. Yeah. <laughs> that could be as far from this beautiful living application of where am I at? What do I need? Which is my definition of Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like what people don't understand is that, look, like if we're observing patterns and we're shifting them, we need some vocabulary. We need a way to describe them. Look at the English language. We have very few words to describe energetics, the vibe, the energy, high vibration. I mean, like it's a dearth of language around observation of energetic patterns. The whole concept of the doshas is they're just an energy categorization system. But where I start people off is to understand that, like, imagine the whole world of color that we have. It's amazing all the different shades. There's there's so many. And we can identify these different colors. If I gave you a mauve versus a pink versus a fuchsia, you you can feel that, you can observe that, right? But ultimately this huge array of color we can bring down into three primary colors. And actually like when we're doing graphic design, it's all like the red, blue and yellow ratios that actually define a color. Right. And it's the same way with the doshas. We're just taking this beautiful array of expression of energy. And there's uh, three primary energies that we can understand. And then for those who are very, very fresh to Ayurveda, it's essentially a creative, fertile, growing, nurturing, almost maternal like kind of energy, right? Then there's a maintaining, a doing, a producing, a transforming, um, a functioning kind of energy. And then there's the entropic, disarray, unpredictable, depleting, wearing down, degenerative kind of energy. Doesn't that make so much sense? Like, Mm -hmm. of course, these are the three primary sort of energy types. It's in every living thing in the natural universe, right? And so what I tell people is to start with just paying attention to adjectives. 
and to feel and to describe their experience in qualities, which are adjectives, right? So if I know that she tends to be a little sharp and she tends to be a little bristly or abrasive or defensive, those are adjectives. That's a pattern right there. Hmm. And I tend to be the same. Yeah. <laughs> like authoritative and forceful and you know, no bullshit and uh, impatient and et cetera, et cetera. That's too sharp, sharp, bristly, bristly, abrasive, abrasive, defensive, defensive coming together. That That's very obvious to ev- everyone who doesn't even have a sense of the doshas, that that's not a good mix, right? Mm-hmm. And what is that going to result in? A lot of just poking each other back and forth and creating hurt and pain and resentment towards each other, right? So in Ayurveda, we understand that whatever there is too much of shows up because it causes us discomfort in some way, right? So that bristliness, that that sharpness, that defensiveness, it causes me discomfort in our interactions. It causes her discomfort in our interactions. So that means there's too much of it. And it's a very simple approach to understanding what you have too much of is going to call your attention either in a symptom in the body, a sign in the body, or in the emotional body, right? Mm -hmm. And the remedy is always to bring in the opposite. So the reason I know to go for softness and acceptance and mushy-mushy and connection with her is because it's the way I would describe the opposite to all of what is that causes us pain. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's how you're that. But so real good. And I, that's like light bulbs going off, but I want to go back <laughs> to the, I mean, it was incredible, especially as it pertains to, you know, uh, partnerships, but I, I, I want to go back to, to the first thing you said, cause I want to get really clear and make sure I'm understanding it, which is, so the thing that, that we need to work on, because like, let's say abrasiveness and abrasiveness, right? Both of you are abrasive or, you know, I am very abrasive and, you know, as are other people in my life. So if we're both abrasive, right. And we're, we're coming at each other from, from the abrasion you were saying it makes us uncomfortable so that's why we were abrasive or it's it's a be like when we have these expressions of too much of something it's because it's uncomfortable or or is that a cover for something that we're uncomfortable about oh that's a good question no we are abrasive because we are yeah okay we're made that way some people are some people aren't yeah some people are in the in certain contexts Do you know what I mean? But it's just recognizing I am this right now. Then being aware of any discomfort that we're feeling is just a pattern that needs to change. So where am I at and what do I need? I'm in a place of abrasiveness. (laughs) And what do I need? I need its opposite. I'm in a place of feeling disconnected, misunderstood by her, uh, villainized, okay, what do I need? The opposite of that, to be understood, to feel connected, loved, valued. Okay, that's not going to come from me giving her more abrasiveness. So I need to think of tools and approaches that are going to get me to what I need. So where am I at? What do I need? Where is she at? What does she need? Where Now, take a different example. My son, super mush-mush, little kafa bear. Okay. And again, I'm still me. I'm naturally sharp and abrasive and kind of very predominant. 
And he's not. And he's very like passive. If I come at him with that sharpness and that abrasiveness, he absorbs it. And then he goes in his room and he cries. He doesn't get defensive and prickly with me. That's a whole different pattern. And then when I see the pain that I've caused him, that again causes discomfort. Oh, flag. Shit. This is not, this is not healing for me. This is not feeling good to me. If there's discomfort here, I now feel guilt and shame, you know, whatever. Where am I at and what do I need? Okay. I need to learn some way of guiding him in which I can give him firmness, but without the abrasiveness. Okay. Maybe that's a chart and not me talking to him. Maybe that's a schedule or an app, (laughs) you know, like some kind of tools and approaches that gives him that structure that he needs as a little kafa bear that my little pitta daughter does not need. She does not need me creating structure and tools for her at all. He does. But me having to hold the structure for him is depleting for me and it doesn't end up well. So I have to like find other ways to not create that interaction where my abrasiveness meets him absorbing it and lowering his self-worth and feeling shame and me feeling guilt. Totally different pattern. I'm the same sharp abrasive jerk that I am, you know, (laughs) and they're two different people and, and they interact with it in different ways. But in both scenarios, it causes me pain at the end of the interaction, discomfort, and not a good feeling, unpleasant emotion. And that's my flag that, okay, something needs to shift in this pattern. That's brilliant. And I love the idea of like the banks to his river, right? The forming the container, but it gets, sometimes can't even be you. It needs to sometimes be an external source so that, you know, he's able to receive it in a different way. So, you know, what is your recommendation then for parents that they have multiple children, they are in this kind of comparison. Uh, you know, it's it's really hard to not compare your children all the time. So what is a, uh, some recommendations for them to slow down, to start to see the differences? Are there like practices that you offer parents, certain types of meditation, sitting back, counting before responding, any kind of tools that would help them start to see these differences? Because obviously we have to observe first, right? And become aware before we can start to shift the pattern. But a lot of people aren't aware. So what's the best way to become? Yeah, I mean, look, I love all of those sort of you know, parenting practices. And I'm sure that your audience and everyone can find those everywhere else. You know, like the, yes, my capacity to use those tools is very low when I'm depleted, period. And that's why when I was saying earlier, like nurse yourself, nurse yourself, nurse yourself, nurse yourself, because if we don't have the capacity to use the tools because we're just empty tank, then those tools are useless. And then we just end up feeling worse about ourselves. Like, why can't I be that parent that counts to five before I yell? Like, you know, so I'd say number one, nourish yourself because otherwise all the tools kind of become irrelevant. And then specifically to your question, I'd say diagramming. 
like diagram right out the patterns, like something I have my clients do in relationship. Um, cause we always end up working on relationship energetics because, you know, you're this big energy ball and we're taking in the energetics of our entire life. So, you know, like there's work, there's the day to day, there's the household, there's partnerships, there's, you know, the climate, there's our food, like it's all just going into the same pot. Right. So like one of the biggest energetic inputs we have are from the people in our lives and, and are relating to them. Right. And how we're receiving the energetics of those interactions and absorbing them and perceiving them and coding them. And so something that we do when we clean up these relating patterns is to start diagramming like, okay, this happens, leads to arrow. I feel this leads to arrow. I respond in this way, leads to arrow. They feel this leads to arrow. They respond in this way, leads to, and to just see the pattern in that very basic sort of like stick figure diagram kind of rendition of things, it's so helpful. Mm. It's so helpful because even how I'm drawing out these patterns with my children could be diagrammed in this way. And because I have that clearness, like the clarity that came from taking the time to observe these patterns is the only reason why I know the longer term sort of ways to engage with them in a way that feels better for them and feels better for me. Right. So I would say practice observing because you have that skill, you know, exactly what happens when you respond, they do this, you respond in this way, you feel this way, they feel this way, you see it, they respond in this way. Like what is the pattern? What is, the tendency. And then to your earlier question, you know, I think it's really important for us as parents to celebrate the fact that we're totally different in our strengths and our weaknesses and our needs and our skills. I mean, it's essential almost because for me to be able to say, well, you know, those are some of dad's weaknesses, but like he's got these skills, do you know? And those are some of my weaknesses, but I have these skills are like, oh, you know how I get or, you know, your pattern, like speaking to them in this way since they've been children, I think is probably the greatest thing I can give them to help them with self-acceptance in the long run, because we're not a standard and and we're not the same. And the kids aren't the same and they shouldn't be treated the same. And they, sh they shouldn't be loved in the same way with the same intensity, you know, and intention. Yes, we have equal love for our kids. But for me to treat my kids equally would be to do them a disservice. She has different needs than he does. She's got different strengths. She's got different weaknesses. And it's so nice to just own that, you know, and it, it comes in these little moments of like, hey, you know how you get when you haven't eaten, you know, uh, you get really cranky and da, da, da. it seems like you maybe you want to eat something or like, you know, that a shower really soothes you. I know when you're upset, you go and make really beautiful art. Like these kind of statements that acknowledge their individuality in 
the things that trigger them and the things that soothe them is a very basic, easy way to start from when they're very young. Have the patterns mostly been consistent from when they were young? I mean, obviously like, they start to unfold, but like even from, from how early, like from birth, <laughs> from really like weeks since, old until all the way up to years? Wow. Since the get-go. So like, you know, my son, for example, he needs to eat every two hours or he like kind of falls apart. My daughter could go all day without eating and it doesn't really affect her. So like as a mother, if, you know, as an Indian mother, <laughs> eat, 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 you know, like food Jewish left. mother. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very interesting to see my mom, like the Indian grandmother with him. She, it drives her nuts that my daughter doesn't eat every two hours. And it brings her immense pleasure that my son is like scarfing down her homemade food. And like, she's almost gets like mad at my daughter and almost like accuses her of like being anorexic or something, do you know? And it's like, Thank God I acknowledged that she was different so that my daughter has the strength to say, like, that's not how my body works, Nani. And I'm listening to my body and I'm not hungry in the mornings. And you're forcing me to do something that isn't how my body works. And my body's different than his body. And I, I was so proud to hear her say that. But that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't, you know, raised her in a way to not feel like what's wrong with me that I'm not hungry and feel bad about herself that she's not eating grandma's like lovingly made food. So, you know, I know when we were like already running out of time, I'm like, I wanted to get to the nourishment. Like, how do you nourish? I feel like we need like a follow-up here, but I love, I love that we went down the patterns and, and in this way. And I love the idea of reflecting it back to the kids too, so that they become more self-aware. But since we are, you know, short on time, what would be, you know, what are your main kind of um, areas, let's say, of nourishment? Like, obviously we can't go into specifics because everybody's so different as we were talking about, but what are kind of the big, the big columns, if you will, of yeah. nourishment that everybody should be looking or parents specifically? Yeah, well, it's mean, actually a great <laughs> segue to my app, um, yes. which is newly out. So in Ayurveda, they talk about sort of the three pillars of wellness. I call them food, sex, and sleep. Obviously, it's not just limited to food and like physical, sexual intimacy and literal sleep. These are houses, right? So in the food house is how we're digesting our lives, how able we are to nourish ourselves, how well we're able to assimilate the experience um, and draw from it all of the things that um, feed us and all the different parts of us, right? In the in the sex house, it's really about creative vision and, you know, understanding that we are creational beings and really all we're here to do is create our visions of like what we would like to experience in motherhood, in life, in every way, right? And that creational experience tied to desire and inspiration, um, that's sort of like the sex house. And then in the sleep house, it's really about rejuvenation and, you know, going opposite of the wear and tear that life has and being able to really be and rest, um, which is very challenging even for me. Um, so these three houses sort of I set up as what I call like lifestyle foundations, right? Because 
this idea of like, yeah, nourish yourself. It's, it spreads across all of that. It really means have a lifestyle that supports you, not that's killing you slowly. Do you know what I mean? And I, a lot of people have never looked at their life in this way. We're so micro when it comes to well-being. And it's about like, oh, you know, over here, I do these things that are supposedly good for um, my mind. I, I try to meditate. I uh, do some yoga, you know, like, oh, over here, I do some stuff. I, I eat organic. <laughs> you know, over here, I do some stuff. I'm, um, I don't know, like um, doing a gratitude practice every morning, you know, whatever, whatever. But it's all over the place and it's super fragmented. And we don't have just kind of a, an overview of like, how well is my lifestyle supporting me? And so in the app, there's a free course or free content. Rather, it's not even like a full course. It's easy to digest content that guides you to really considering your three houses mm-hmm. and taking a look at where am I at and what do I need and offering some tips and sort of like good places to start to see um, how you can support yourself in those three houses. Um, and then there's also additional sort of a la carte content, like, you know, oh, somebody who really wants more support with women's health or digestion or sleep or whatever. But, but that free lifestyle foundations really is a good overview. I think the answer to your question is like, how do we know? Like, I think we need to step back as parents and get out of the micro. We spend way too much time there. And stop fussing so much about what supplements we're taking and like what we're eating and all of this pressure that we get from all of this wellness content that we're digesting and to just really step back and take a look at like, hmm, is my lifestyle supporting me or not? And really doing that from the perspective of these three major areas that we need to thrive as humans, period. Like it's like a plant Like it needs water and good soil and sun. And those are the basics. So before I start messing with fancy fertilizers, let me focus on the basics and see how it thrives when it has the basics in place. I actually, it's, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's what I talk about in the book too, because obviously I'm not an Ayurvedic expert. Like I, I only wanted to offer it as another lens for people to understand themselves. I wanted to share Nikki Estrada's story, who was your former client and, you know, there's just different ways of looking at things, but that's what I ended up focusing on was the three pillars because somebody was telling me to focus on the doshas. And I was like, no, this doesn't feel organic. I'm not an expert but I can tell you all about, you know, these are the three things that I protect, you know, fiercely and that I protect with my children, which is always their sleep, what they're eating and, you know, how we're expending our energy. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'm excited to get get on your app and look up and I'm sure that I need a reset right now, you know, considering, you know, the things are, are a little bit more stressful, but really those, I love, love, love the plant metaphor because it really is you know, it, it comes down to the basics of nourishment and, and then all the other stuff is is just like dressing on top, you know, but we need to work on on the roots of the soil, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been ending these with asking everyone the same question, which is how has, what's the, and I, I was going to say yoga, but we mean yoga as the umbrella, right? Not asana. Um, what's the most surprising way your yoga practice has informed your parenting? I think it is on the mat that I first started, where am I at? What do I need? 
before I even knew Ayurveda, that that was Ayurveda, you know, I, and being someone who used to be like hot yoga, front yo row, like ninja, da, 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 you know, and realizing on the mat, my qualities and my patterns and that, okay, that meant I needed more softness, more flexibility, more melting in, more forward folding, more on the ground, <laughs> you know, all of the opposite of what I naturally had like so much of mm. to feel better, to balance myself, right? Like that really is essentially what I just delineated in the story with my daughter. To start to, that, that it's such a tangible way for people to start to tune into that too, to feel it in your body, especially as we uh, have children and get older. And you know, uh, if we're really paying attention, that's a great place to start to, to start that shift and that awareness. Mm-hmm. Well, I thank you so much. Everybody can download your app on the um, app, on the app store. <laughs> like, what, what's it called? The iTunes store? The app yeah. store? Like, what year is this? Uh, and of course, we, we will include everything in, in the show notes as well. Um, Dr. Mohan, I'm so, so honored to have sat with you finally. I'm so excited that the conversation went in the direction that it did because... I always think that it's like meant to be in that way. And I definitely learned so much from my own parenting. And I'm so excited to share this with all the parents listening. I'm glad you are creating this venue for people to heal in their experience of parenting. If the parenting is what causes us the pain point, and then we open up to these tools and then it brings us into this new perspective or set of healing approaches. Amazing. So thank you for offering that to everybody. Well, I mean, I think that one of the best parts, honestly, is the community building too. And like knowing that we're, we're all going through it. So where, you know, whether you're an Ayurvedic practitioner living in Mexico, where you're, you know, Sarah Ezra living in San Francisco, where you're somebody living in, you know, London or Toronto, that all of us are going through similar experiences. And no matter how different our patterns are and our children are, that, you know, it's, it's always coming back to like what you said, right? What do I need? What am I feeling right in this moment? What do I feel? What do I need? So important. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, love. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And a lots of love as always. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yoga of Parenting. Everything we discussed will be found in our show notes. You can purchase a copy of the Yoga of Parenting book anywhere books are sold. And please remember to subscribe, rate, and share these episodes so we can get all this wisdom to as many parents as possible. Follow me on Instagram at Sarah Ezrin Yoga, and the original music that you heard both at the beginning and just a moment ago is by the amazing Egeman Sonley. You can follow Ege on IG at Egesan, E-G-E-S-A-N, and you can find all of his amazing music on Spotify. Big thanks to Kyle Rebar for being the best producer that there ever was, and big thanks to all of you for listening. <laughs>